Hello everyone and welcome from here in the capital city of Austin, Texas. This is Capital Geek, a podcast dedicated to the founders and operators that create the products we love and turn them into fabulous companies with meaningful exits. Whether you're raising your first round of capital or racing toward an IPO, this is where we deep dive on the lessons learned from seasoned industry veterans, geeks of all types, the experts leading product and engineering teams, operations and finance, or sales and marketing, and we'll both learn from their mistakes and celebrate their successes while providing a roadmap for you to accelerate your own journey towards success. My name is Josh Stevens, CTO at Elsewhere Partners, and I am the Capital Geek. On this episode of Capital Geek, we geek out with my friend and identity and access management geek, Mike Roth. We talked with Mike about what motivated him to start his new company, Evo Security, and why the MSP market is in such dire need of custom solutions. Mike's a lot of fun to talk to and really knows the MSP space, so let's get to it. Mike Roth, buddy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Glad to be here. How the heck are you today? Fantastic. It's a great day to be an entrepreneur in Austin, Texas. It really is. I was chatting with a good buddy of mine, John Brosnan. Uh, we worked together on his company for several years. We exited to Rapid7 a couple of years ago, and he lives in Galway, Ireland. And he said that there, you're not allowed to be outside at all. Uh, no walking, no bicycling. And the only time they want you out is like going to the doctor's office or potentially the grocery store. And even that's limited to within three miles of your home. So they're really locked down right now. And and uh, John, I loved catching up with you earlier this week, but you know, it's pretty wild to think about uh, that here, you know, we're able to take walks and ride our bikes and, and still stay socially distanced. But wow, I, I uh, you know, I, I send a lot of good energy and hope for those folks over there dealing with that sort of an outbreak right now. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how uh, our environment here, it's, it's promoted a lot more health, I think, during the pandemic in general. Um, I know for me specifically, being able to go on walks, being able to get outside the house, you know, run to the store if you need anything uh, has has really been helpful, especially when you're under a lot of stress anyway, when you're trying to build a business. So uh, a, a little bit goes a long way in today's day and age for sure. It sure does. Um, before we jump into what Evo Security does, I'd love to sort of delve into your background a little bit. Maybe tell us sort of where you grew up and, and what led you down the path of tech entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. My my story isn't uh, the one you would expect. I didn't grow up really around tech. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was originally from Louisiana, but when I was really, really young, moved to Texas. So I consider myself a full, full-fledged Texan uh, and have been for many decades now, but um, I yeah, grew up in Houston and uh, was around the oil and gas business. Uh, that's what my family's involved in. And, and naturally, that's kind of where my path went. I went to the University of Texas here at Austin, got a petroleum engineering degree, um, didn't quite understand how valuable that was really going to be with the, the latter parts of my career. But um, yeah, started with an energy company up in Dallas. And it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, everything you could possibly ask for as a young professional, um, really highly capital intensive uh, projects right out of the gates, 
extreme engineering, we were we were growing really fast and and had some uh, very valuable assets where uh, they were you know uh, some quite dangerous situations, and so you had to learn very quickly what you need to focus on as a professional, what you need to focus, what really matters. And in that case, it was both capital and life and death type scenarios. So um, I didn't realize how that was going to prepare me for a, a discipline like cybersecurity later, but um, it, it was absolutely fascinating. I, I witnessed a, an office that grew from 60 people to 600 people in only a few years. The industry was on fire uh, during the same course of time. I experienced two market crashes, uh, two bounce backs. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And, um, you know, I, I always knew that I wasn't going to stay in that business for as long as I can remember. I've been just obsessed with technology, innovation, you know, radically thinking about those types of of things and, you know, what I could do uh, in the world. You know, I, I would say most of my success as an engineer was rooted upon my ability to be creative and innovative and think about a problem differently and, and actually go and solve it. And so um, I knew that that's what I really wanted to focus on long term. And technology seemed to be the area where, you know, I can really unleash that, uh, you know, because the sort of world is your oyster when it comes to software and creating things from scratch. So um, as a means to, to get from, from one place to the other, I launched a uh, private equity firm, uh, well, what it emerged into a, a formalized private equity firm, but originally it was just finding assets and deals um, uh, in the oil and gas business. And so we, we formed a little team. I raised six different limited partnerships. We had 54 investors uh, ranging from high net worth individuals all the way to family offices. Uh, pretty large family offices. We they were from over fifteen different countries. I mean, it was it was it was just an unbelievable MBA on steroids type experience, and um, had some great exits there. Learned a heck of a lot, and uh, and after we exited those assets, I spent about a year, almost actually almost a year and a half, trying to formulate my next move, doing some angel investments. And just really had this fascination for how um, security, cloud, and uh, machine learning were all converging. And, and one of the biggest reasons why I landed on those things is throughout my time as an as an engineer and as a fund manager, I was always noticing that uh, the information that is so valuable for these companies was sort of loosely protected. And everywhere I went, whether it was on the capital management side, on the actual corporate side, I realized that this could be better, uh, even from password management to verifying that people are who they say they are when they log into a system. And um, and that's sort of what led me to, to the whole security uh, 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 focus when I had the opportunity to kind of step outside and say, you know, what do I want to do next? Let's back up a minute. Yeah. Um, tell me about life and death scenarios in the oil and gas business. You know, I think that for a lot of people, they think about that as as a lot of uh, computer controlled equipment, and you know, we think a lot about the environmental impacts of oil and gas. But talk a little bit about the risks and, and some of those situations that you guys were managing against. Yeah, I would say it's probably one of the most undervalued parts of 
of that industry uh, because we obviously still need it and we'll need it for a long time to come uh, just just by nature of, of how uh, how much energy is contained in, in one you know volume, whether it's a, a barrel or an MCF of gas. But the reason it's dangerous is you know you're out there around very heavy machinery and, and really big equipment that you know one slip of the finger, one misstep, and it could mean an arm, a leg, or your life. And um, we actually had a, a, an incident in the company that I worked for that uh, uh, where, uh, you know, we were we were drilling down into uh, a formation that was over two miles straight down into the ground and uh, actually closer to two and a half. And um, uh, the pressures get so high, so incredibly high that if you're if you're not taking all of the right moves, then uh, and, and really monitoring it every second of the way, then all that pressure could come back up to the surface and could be and can blow out. And so everything has to be engineered from valves to pipes to fittings to everything all the way down to the molecule to make sure that whatever's behind that 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 closed gate uh, isn't going to erode it, isn't going to uh, chemically uh, uh, you know alter it so that it fails. And so when I say extreme engineering, it was truly extreme engineering. That's super fascinating. Um, you know, my dad worked on some oil rigs for a while while I was a kid, uh, simply because there was, wasn't much work to be found at the time uh, during the recession for him as a bricklayer and stonemason. So I have a little bit of exposure to that. But it's it's really a fascinating industry. And, you know, I think that most experts would agree that even though we might enhance other methods of generating energy from wind and solar and other things um there will be you know use of oil products for for many decades you know in the future um super fascinating stuff after that you sort of i love your story of how inspired you were by the um you know easy handling or lack of protection around a lot of corporate ip i think that's something that 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 resonates with a lot of people and you know, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, unless you're in the cybersecurity industry, is that, you know, ransomware attacks and things like that are primarily, uh, you know, a criminal's mechanism for getting your, your private data and ransoming it back to you. And if there wasn't tremendous value uh, in that data, both to you and potentially in terms of harm, if that were to get out to your competitors, no one would pay. But a lot of people do pay. And it's it's a lucrative business for those criminal organizations because it's it's so critical for companies in today's day and age to have secure, reliable access to that information that that allows the business to function. When you were thinking about solving that problem, you know, going out and building a product company to to help uh, provide better cybersecurity measures to organizations, what led you down the path of creating an MSP specific solution? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, a lot of the the organization that I mentioned that I was a part of, you know, out of college, and then uh, there was a couple other companies that I worked for as well uh, in between there and starting the fund, smaller companies. And I realized that those companies can't really function well 
uh, and as smooth as you would expect, unless there is a, an IT team who's in the background, really making sure that that everything is is up, it's running, it's uh, scalable. Uh, there, you know, it's available wherever you are, whether you're in the office or remote. And it was, I remember thinking it, the the first time it was sort of a glancing thought. You know, I was just kind of walking down the hall in the office and, and thinking, man, if it wasn't for these folks, this business wouldn't re, really be going on today because we'd all be just kind of stuck. And so I, I developed a really strong appreciation for that, especially also watching us grow from 60 to 600 people and all the hardware and everything associated with it. And um, so I would say that's what sparked my uh, my awareness of the MSP space and, and how valuable they are to the modern business. I've, I've often said that they're really the unsung heroes of modern business. You know, it's interesting. I think that as a market, we we downplay the importance of MSPs. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of friends, obviously, who are in IT and, and, you know, network engineers and IT administrators. And if you're not an IT professional, let me just sort of set the table for you a little bit. You know, imagine you and a small team uh, supporting a thousand active IT users. And so you have to deal with managing their Active Directory domain and credentials and access to certain data, access to the network, security everything from printer, printers and file sharing, you know, all the way up to routing and switching. Um, and that's, it's a diligent job. It's a job that a lot of us enjoy, but it can be challenging with a large number of users. Now imagine working for an MSP where those, that thousand users is spread across 15 or 20 companies. And so now in addition to having the complexity of having a high user count to support, you're supporting those users across many different domains each one specific, may have their own preference in terms of which IT tools they like to use. They may have different operating systems on their endpoint devices. They may prefer different solutions for endpoint protection and authentication. And so the job of an MSP engineer is, is a really tough one. I think it's one of the harder jobs out there within IT. And so for me, I was very enthralled by the idea of what you're doing at Evo in that you're building a product specifically for the MSPs. When you first told me that you were planning to build this product uh, and make it only available to MSPs and through them to their customers, I thought you were pretty crazy, to be honest. But the more I've gotten to know you, um, the more I realize that it's it's sort of a crazy like a fox in this case, which I think it's a great idea. Thanks. Yeah, you know, um, it if I was to back up a step, even going switching industries just to me was a little crazy because <laughs> I, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of experience in security and um, and, and as a, a, a tech uh, founder or, or leader. But, you know, I'd spent so much time around incubators and accelerators and advising companies, and uh, I felt prepared to do that. And I knew that I needed to have uh, some type of launching pad to accelerate uh, that process in, into this career shift, uh, which is why I approached the Texas Advanced Computing Center uh, uh, on that. And what I realized, uh, you know, kind of to your point in your question, is that they had this really scalable identity product, and they were almost functioning like an MSP themselves. You know, they they have you know thousands of organizations that are all trying to log into their machines and all these users, 
and uh, it, they just did such a great job and, and it clicked for me at that point that hey this could go out and be a product specifically for MSPs and given my you know capital management background I started doing some market analysis and validation and realized and, and also started talking to MSPs and realized wow these guys are incredibly underserved and they're less worried about these incredibly innovative advanced features that the enterprise wants in order to be competitive and more just worried about hey do you have a product that works for me and my all of my unique needs because these enterprise products really aren't solving them we're kind of just hacking things together and yeah it works fine but it doesn't really allow us to to you know grow our business and truly secure our customers in the way they should be i think it's interesting i I love it when products find a way to to add value to customers day one, minute one, within five minutes of, of installing it and starting to use it. And then, you know, I love it when, when companies will orient the product in such a way that as your maturity as a user changes and your needs grow, then your adoption of their technology can grow with it. And I think one of the challenges that a many that many MSPs and and many mid-market businesses have with enterprise-grade products is that the the depth of capabilities in terms of what is possible with the product, cloud what is achievable in the short term with the product. And so when I see products like Evo Security, your uh, MFA tool for MSPs, it, it reminds me that you know what's, what's really important oftentimes is to get back to sort of the core function or the first principle of, of IT security, which is, you know, to, to make things easier, to make them faster, to make them more secure, and then sort of build out from there. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's a fantastic, you know, first step for me as a previous founder into a, a new uh, role in a new industry, because, uh, you know, you have to be really well capitalized to go towards the enterprise and, and do all this and, and, and really well experienced. You have to have a, a mature team. You have to have a highly experienced team. So this is just a really fantastic opportunity. You're right. Just to kind of get back to the, the core principles of what does it mean to build a highly effective yet highly secure tool as an easy to administer and that has the level of flexibility and for the MSP it's, it's multi-tenancy and making sure that we do that really, really, really well. And uh, so far, we've just had phenomenal uh, resonance with our market and, and they're really loving where we're headed and, and what we have so far. I think one of the keys of being successful with MSPs is that you have to tailor a solution to their very specific and unique use cases. You know, in, in a traditional enterprise, while you may have different departments or organizations that are under your purview, it's, it's very different than having many companies under your purview like you do in an MSP. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging role and I've done some of that work myself and just the context switching, uh, you know, let's just say that I'm managing 20 different customers, I'm an MSP engineer, and I need to make uh, some configuration changes to the firewall of each one. You know, I'm authenticating in and out of each domain separately. I'm logging that separately um, with hopefully some sort of a privileged access manager that, that logs the detail of what I'm doing. It's, it's a complex task and it's made more complex because of the nature of the business. And so products that, that are tailored 
for that use case specifically, I think is something that's sort of new and something that I hope to see more of down the road. You know, a, a lot of organizations will start with a focus on the MSP, but as they grow, they will sort of move away from that as they move up market. So for me, seeing a product that's that's um, not only focused on the MSP, but sees that as a long-term part of of their their identity and, and where they're going to focus as a company is something I'm very excited to be a part of and sort of see how you're growing. Maybe you could walk us through um, what it is that Evo does, you know, what you offer to these MSPs and, and why it's so important to them. Yeah, first I'll say, Josh, I mean, this, this journey has been incredible because you are involved. And so I'm, I feel really fortunate and thankful for that. Um, yeah, so so why is, what, what are we doing and why is it important to the MSP? Um, so the attack surface has been moving away from the large enterprise and, and permeating the mid-market and even down to the MS or SMB uh, more and more. Um, even as we sit here, it's happening more and more. And um, a lot of those size companies, they think, oh, well, you know, I'm too small for for a, a, a cyber criminal to care about what it is that I'm doing. Uh, but but really, the way to think about it is it's not, it's not about the data you really have. I mean, it could be if you're doing something really important, really special, but it's really more about how much would you pay to get access back to the things you've lost if they can take it and, and hold you for ransom. And that's usually the, the critical blow for an SMB or a mid-market company because oftentimes it's such a high number that um, they have to go out of business or you know, maybe their insurance only covers so much of it and, and it just totally messes up their, their balance sheet for, for months or years. And so that's really what we're trying to do is prevent that from happening. And I often say we're protecting the livelihood of, of these smaller to medium-sized companies and the people that are there because it's their livelihood as well. And so that's how important uh, I think this is for, for Evo. It's how seriously we take it. And um, so what the, the best way to defend against all of that is to defend and protect the login because that's the number one place. It's the most common. And it's also where cyber criminals have the most success in these breaches. And so what we offer is multi-factor authentication, uh, which is everyone has experienced this. You get uh, you have to enter a six digit code or it's a, a text message uh, where you have to go and verify your identity. Uh, we also offer single sign-on, which is basically the same thing, but it, you're, you're given the opportunity, as long as you're within a, a secure session, you could actually not have to MFA over and over every single time, uh, but maybe you can you have a day or two or a week to continue to log in successfully, all the while still thwarting cyber criminals from entering and stealing your credentials. And then lastly, we have uh, privilege, ac privilege access management capabilities uh, so that the users who do access the system and do validate their identity, once they're in, they have least privilege to what they can do. And all of those things wrapped together are, are what's called zero trust. And so we're offering a fully baked zero trust identity and access management solution, specifically engineered from MS, for MSPs top to bottom from the database architecture where it's um, 
uh, partitioned out by tenant and then even below that by directory for each tenant, encrypted at uh, in transit at rest, all the way up to the UI and how you engage and interact with the product where you're going in and out of tenants. So it is a 100% custom tailored solution for this industry and for this customer bit. Mike, I love products that are specifically engineered for the users uh, that they're going to be servicing. And I think what I love about your doing is that you're drawing a line and saying, look, the use case for MSPs is unique and distinct from what enterprises need. Uh, it's, ob- it's oftentimes a superset of what an enterprise needs, but providing that visibility and detailed analytics about usage, privileged access management, logs and audit trails, and even just the detailed billing uh, and how you handle reporting, it, it really has to be tailored specifically for the types of business you're selling to. And I've seen from my portfolio companies, uh, companies like ActiveTrack that you know, have always had a great level of success with the MSP market, but when they release something specifically for them, like their uh, command center in their case, then you begin to see a lot more traction take off because um, it, it can be very difficult uh, as an MSP to get your job done when you're trying to cobble together products that really weren't built with you in mind. You know, at SolarWinds, we had MSPs using Orion for years and years and years before we ever really supported the MSP use case. And about that time, we acquired Enable um, out of Canada, which I think now is, is in the process of being spun back out as its own uh, public company uh, from the SolarWinds uh, sort of proper family. And so it's, it is it is really special, I think, to do that. What kind of feedback have you had so far from MSPs that have had a chance to use the product and and see what it might do for their environment? Yeah, so far the feedback has been fantastic. They, uh, you know, for, for being as young as we are, they're saying, hey, look, uh, we're evaluating uh, you versus, uh, you know, your largest competitor and then one other smaller competitor who's been in the market for for quite a while and just to be in that conversation first of all is uh is is a big win you know that means we're on the right track but once we actually crack open uh you know our our solution they get to see how extremely easy it is uh yet all of the things they can accomplish with the tool and then how we've engineered it from top to bottom as i was mentioning you know from multi-tenancy to how we built our and are building our partner portal um, and how we're making that multi-layered, uh, just the way that you can handle seats and licenses, uh, and then all the way to the the problems that are the most common, you know, tier one ticket items or tier two ticket items that that they're always dealing with when it comes to you know I- managing identity and login and how we just automate that and just clean up that whole process. We really truly are hitting all of the high points that they want. And um, I mean, we're building our product specifically based on on their feedback to begin with. So, uh, so far, it's just been fantastic. And uh, uh, we're, we're getting some pretty good traction now with our early, early uh, interest. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch the company grow. We've known each other 14 months now or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we met, it was you and your CTO and you were, you know, you got a, a prototype out there. You were starting to use it. Um, the progress that your company's made in the last 14 months has just been outstanding. And it's been fun to, to watch the company grow. And, and I think also to, to be on some of these calls with some of the large MSPs 
and even some of the large sort of MSP uh, distributors, and and see how they're how they sort of come alive when they see the product and they realize for the first time that oh you built this for us you know you're not building something for everyone and and providing a, a way for us to use it you built something specifically for us and and so you're asking us you know how we'd like to see it change and how to make it better and I well I love the innovation because what we've seen is that as we've worked with these MSPs or what I've seen through your team is that you know sometimes you miss you misunderstand sometimes you miss the mark and it's easy to go back and 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 look at those times and, and think about how you reacted to it but i think what's nice about what you guys are doing is you're taking the feedback from these msps to heart and engineering the product in ways that make it even more useful for them every single month um let's just say that you know i'm i'm a it admin for a company with a few hundred employees and uh, and I don't have an MFA solution. Uh, how would I go about getting it from Evo? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, sticking true to our MSP focus roots, uh, if a company were to reach out to us direct, um, our promise to our customer base is that we will not usurp that relationship. And what we'll do is say, hey, you know, your your company. It looks like it's based in Dallas. Um, here are uh, five or six different MSPs that uh, we would recommend for you to reach out to. Um, they're all, you know, you can decide which one you like the best based on, you know, the phone call or the relationship, or maybe there's a, you know, top two or three that, that will, um, you know, recommend them, you know, over to, but uh, we will not, they'll get a better deal there anyway, you know, because the MSP is going to have our pricing uh, that, that will be uh, better than what we could offer that type of, of company direct. So yeah, we're, we're in this hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's a great product. And in my experience, products like this, that, that really tailored to that specific use case can be a big help. You know, part of why we built solar winds is that we were doing the, the jobs ourselves. Some of us in MSP, some of us inside large service providers and other enterprise networks, and we just found that it was really difficult to do our daily job. And we started building tools to make our jobs easier. And so anytime I find a founder who is building a product that not only adds enterprise value, but provides functions that make uh, an IT practitioner's job easier, you know, it, it maybe exaggerates their skill set and empowers them to create faster or more secure environments. I love products like that. It's why I like Evo so much. Um, multi-factor authentication is, is something that's been around for quite a while, but I think, especially with COVID, you know, how you do identity management has become sort of front and center again. Maybe you can talk to me a little bit about, or talk to the, to our audience a little bit about why you think that is. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the days of, of firewalls and antivirus are, are pretty well long gone. Um, the world has shifted to you know, running their entire business off of web applications and you know, logging into systems remotely now that we all are distributed uh, across the world away from you know, these central office locations. And so when you're logging into 
whether it's an application or an actual private network, uh, it, it's very easy today for a cyber criminal. I mean, they they can if with just a handful of GPUs in their in a single room, they could hack billions of passwords per second. I mean, think about that. That's that's just absolutely insane. And and that could be anybody. That could be you or me. We could figure out how to do that. And if you go on the deep and dark webs, you can find instructions on how to build those systems. You can find pre-built, you know, programs and applications that could actually just automate it for you with bots. And so um, it may seem like a, a small, insignificant thing, but every time you log in, is every time, uh, and, and then you actually confirm your identity using multi-factor authentication. Uh, is every time that you've you've done the right thing for your company and for your own personal livelihood. It's just it's just really you know identity is the new virtual perimeter in today's world is, is how I think about it. Yeah, I, I love that that analogy that identity being sort of the new perimeter. I always think about security in terms of um, layers of perimeters or layers of protection. You know, you might have. Uh, antivirus or uh, some sort of endpoint protection software as the first layer, um, you know, an identity and access management solution like not MFA or, or Evo, and maybe a second layer, you know, you have your firewalls, VPNs. And when I draw this for, for young or novice, uh, you know, IT or security professionals, I typically draw it as a set of concentric force fields, you know, and, and, and try to make people understand that, that Yes, none of these solutions are perfect, but as you add more and more layers, more concentric circles of protection, you, you do enhance your security posture significantly and thereby reduce risk. And I think right now what we're all looking for are ways to reduce risk without breaking the bank or breaking our business model and without impeding our ability to do business. And for years, the argument was always sort of, um, you know, how much security am I willing to to pay for, and in many cases, how much usability or speed or inconvenience am I willing to give up in order to get that security? And what I love about new solutions, solutions like yours at Evo, is that you don't really trade much in terms of inconvenience or slowing you down. It's it's seamless, it's instantaneous. It takes a couple of seconds max, and you're through the system. Uh, and it's 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 been an interesting evolution of security technology over the last 10 years because we've, we've both found a reason to, find, to decide that it was mandatory, whereas before a lot of organizations just looked past it and said, oh, we don't really need a firewall, we don't really need endpoint protection, we don't really need MFA. I think organizations now realize they do need those things, but you still have to deal with the trade-off. You know, how much is it going to cost and how much is it going to slow us down? And so solutions like yours that that don't slow you down and that are priced you know, very cost effectively uh, and for the MSPs may actually be a profit center for them, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Maybe we can, go ahead, Mike. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you know, the, the 80-20 rule is always uh, you know, a good one to think about when you know, MFA and SSO and identity comes into the picture. It's, Look, the most common form of, of attack is going to be at the login. Um, what's the thing that shuts that down, you know, 99% of the time, and it's going to be MFA. So as far as bang for your buck, and if that process is, is seamless, then it's just a real winner. It's a real winning combination.
let's shift gears a little bit. So, you know, you were an entrepreneur uh, early on in life. You interested in technology and engineering, did uh, entrepreneurship, engineering, and even fundraising on the oil and gas side. Now you're in tech. Mm -hmm. So as a startup entrepreneur, what are some things that, that you've learned over the last few years that you might want to pass on to other you know, early stage entrepreneurs that are maybe doing their first gig or maybe they're just trying to learn more? Oh man, that's a good question. You know, I think it, it was definitely a, you know, you, you mentioned context shift earlier. It, it was most definitely that for me. I had to, you know, learn a new space, learn a new industry, learn how all of the pieces of, of starting a, a, a tech company come together uh, from sales to marketing to running a product team, how to build a product, you know, user interface design, you know, all that kind of stuff, how to test, you know, everything, it, it was all new. Um, but I think what I will say is that, uh, you know, often a lot of people will say, oh, an idea is a dime a dozen. I actually think that ideas are some of the most valuable things that any individual can ever have. But but it's what you choose to do about it uh, is how you manifest that. And so I saw this opportunity and like other entrepreneurs, they see an opportunity. And, and you know, so if I was offering advice, I would say, look, if you're passionate about it and you and you and you think you see something that other people do not see, then you should you should put all of your intellect and all of your energy and and not only that, but all of your um, I don't even think the word determination really does it justice. It's it's just your your knowing that what you see is to be true and don't deviate that from that at all. And I think really powerful things start to emerge. Um, and as long as you know how to navigate, you're willing to hustle, you're willing to take uh, massive action at every second of every day in order to, to really manifest this and make it real, then it will, it will become real. Um, there were months there when I was walking around downtown Austin trying to figure out who I'm going to talk to next, uh, who's going to you know, help me out. And I have this list, I, I call it the, my first next list. And I was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines deep before you and I even met. And so uh, it's it's not a small task, but uh, it's it's just trusting in, in what you see. And then the pieces will start to emerge around you. And, and it just takes a while to build that that motion. But once it builds up to a certain point, I mean, it, things happen fast. How's it been for you building a, you know, a cloud-based company from the ground up? You know, I, I think the last time I started a company, well, that's not true. I started a company in October, but <laughs> the, the last time I started a, a purely uh, software-driven company, um, you know, we were building servers in the closet. We were having to order parts and put them together, get them on the internet. You know, the cloud wasn't around uh, when we were starting that. It seems to me that it's, it's so much faster now to, to start building products and companies when it's as simple as turning on uh, an AWS instance and, and going from there. How has that part of the experience been for you guys? Uh, you know, I'd say overall it's been just fantastic. Um, I'm shocked every day by how, first of all, we could spend, we could have spent this whole time talking about our team. Our team, you know, our team is just absolutely incredible. So I, I think, you know, just watching them develop in the cloud and build in the cloud has been amazing. I'm, I'm just, Every day I'm, I'm fascinated by how much they can accomplish 
uh, and how complex it is. Um, but uh, I think that's the beauty of building in the cloud. The downside, I would say, to the cloud is that, you know, if you don't have AWS credits or credits from another cloud provider uh, and then all the associated uh, tools and, and subscriptions that you need, like a CI CD pipeline or, um, you know, just other tools th that could be kind of costly, that I would say the, the, the idea that launching a, a startup for pennies on the dollar, I don't think you can really do that anymore. I think it's it's a little bit more expensive in today's world if you really want to do it right and be competitive. It's interesting. We we talked a lot about this trend at Elsewhere Partners with, with my team there because we focus on investing in bootstrapped businesses or businesses that have been you know very cash smart on their route to success, and you know the the way that people bootstrap businesses is so different now than it was 10 years ago. And I think that getting uh, credits from your cloud provider, whether it's AWS from Amazon or Google's Lab Platform or even Microsoft Azure, a lot of companies are able to get that first 100,000 uh, in cloud credits and then kind of grow from there. And I think it's a good measure because if you have $100,000 of free credit toward your cloud provider and a couple of founders who can work together well, maybe one that's thinking about go to market and one focused on product engineering. Um, you know, you can start to grow pretty quickly and and see where that takes you to. So I'm I'm pretty fascinated by how the evolution of bootstrapped business is changing and what that'll mean to investors like me that, that like to invest in bootstrapped companies that are growing fast. Um, Mike, it's been a joy having you on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about with respect to Evo security and, and where you're headed? Uh, nothing in particular. I, you know, we're just so grateful and thankful that that you've been involved with our venture. Um, I, I, you know, it always there's always a bit of luck required, you know, to find success in a startup. And we're fortunate today to also be in a white hot space, not only from the identity standpoint, but also uh, I think the the MSP world has become a, a really main focus for large capital. Uh, uh, you know, private equity firms and other investors, you know, and, and even smaller. So, uh, you know, we're in a good spot and uh, we're just really excited about our future. So appreciate the opportunity to be on today. Well, I, you're very welcome. I, I love the product. I love what Evo Security is doing. I love that it's oriented around providing success for the MSP as a business and the MSP employees, the engineers uh, in the work they do and providing a secure and economical solution for their customers. I think it's a stellar product and I'm I'm looking forward to bringing you back on the show a year from now and maybe a year from then and and see how the company's growing so it's it's been a great joy to have you on the show today uh, with that I think we'll wrap it up thanks so much Mike thanks Josh appreciate it that's it everyone and thank you for joining Capital Geek subscribe via Apple Stitcher or any platform where you usually find fantastic podcasts tune in again soon for another great episode of Capital Geek.